Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve Podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to the How We Solve Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and today we're joined by Alan Chen. Alan is a certified public accountant, one of the founding partners of freecashflow.io, a leading accounting and consulting agency based out of Los Angeles, where I'm based out of, focused on one niche and niche only, which is online business owners, especially those in the e-commerce space. Their agency offers an all-inclusive package where they take care of all your business tax planning, sales tax filing, and threshold strategies, cloud-based bookkeeping, and smart cash flow allocations that you can keep more of your profit in your back pocket. In fact, they're so confident they can help you save money, they provide a money-back guarantee so there's no risk to you. So, Alan, first off, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sean, thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for that awesome intro. I think we can just jump straight into it. Alan, what are the three biggest pain points that you see e-commerce entrepreneurs and businesses have? Yeah, so Sean, let me first give you a little background on myself. So I'm a certified public accountant. We're located in Los Angeles, California. And our agency was basically set up with really only one purpose in mind, as you have alluded to, which is to help the online business space and e-commerce business specifically. And part of our, I guess, motivation and why we're doing this is me and my partner, we started a Shopify store last year. Mm. And we went through the solo entrepreneur journey of just doing everything yourself. When you're a guy just starting out in dropshipping and doing branded e-commerce, you're kind of the guy doing website optimization. You're the Facebook guy. You're the guy doing customer services. And you're the guy who just are like from staff level to the CEO level, everything in your company. And we saw how how hard it was, honestly. And the last thing on people's mind is accounting and tax. Literally last thing, and they probably don't even want to think about it, honestly. And we saw that. We saw how business scaled really fast. The e-commerce is blowing up these days, especially the post-pandemic era. And we just saw that a lot of people don't really think about it till it's too late. And the problem with that is there's a lot of money left on the table of them just giving it away really freely to the IRS, the government, or whatever country they're they're running the business out of. Because they're like, I just pay it. I don't want to get in trouble with the government. Just pay it. Yeah. But what we notice is any client that really think about it profoundly and maybe do some pre-planning, we're seeing them be able to keep another 15 to 20% of their profit back in their pocket. For someone who's working so hard doing e-commerce, I think that's a pretty big deal to add to the bottom line, to the margins. So the three things that we really try and bring on the table and part of our all-in package is we're providing them with clean bookkeeping. We're providing them with smart tax allocation. And we can do this because we have a lot of data that we have. If you think about it, given that we only serve this niche, we have a lot of e-commerce data and financial data of these guys. So we can say, hey, business A is getting thirty to 40000 tax savings. What is business B not doing that business A doing? And how can we implement them? How can we suggest these things so business B is doing it too? Yeah. And step three is once they do grow to a certain size, how do we get them the biggest valuation and the biggest exit possible? How do we put them in a spot where anyone that can come in, any investors, anyone that wants to come in and do due diligence can be like, oh, these guys have their... They got everything together. Yeah. Their books are clean. Their team seems like well-organized. Anytime I ask for any kind of backup things, they have it. I believe in them. I believe that I can give this guy this 5x, 6x valuation. Right. Where a different business 
who doesn't have these things in place, who doesn't have a good back-end CFO watching out for their business, go into these meetings and they ask them all these questions like, hey, what is your revenue for this year? What is your gross margin percentage? Do you know your working capital ratios? They have no idea and they just make them look unprepared, right? right. And then if they get hit with a valuation that's much lower than they're expecting, they get upset and not sure why, why they're getting that. So that's something we're trying to educate e-commerce owners on. It's like, hey, you're working so hard. Obviously, you want to find that financial freedom light at the end of the day. Let, let us help you guide you there. So those are the three things that we're trying to provide and help in this space. So just to recap again, the three things were? Number one is basically to provide clean books for them. And number mm-hmm. two is to basically do all kinds of tax planning that they need for your business because mm-hmm. you do not want to give money away to the government if you don't have to. And number three is the end goal, the end game, which is when they get to a certain point where they're thinking about exiting or getting acquired or anything like that, how do they go about doing it with the most efficient way and getting them the biggest valuation possible? All right, that sounds great. So let's start with the first one. What are the things that make accounting bookkeeping so complicated for e-commerce startups these days, even though it feels like, or it seems like there's a lot of software out there, like QuickBooks online. Why is it still so time-consuming? Why do we need a third party to help out? That's a great question, Sean. So software is great. We are not against software at all. We use software at our own firm. Software makes things more efficient, more optimized, and just lessen the manual labor that goes into things. So it's not really a software versus, I would say, third-party question. It's more of a, are you using the software correctly? Are you actually taking that data that you pump into the software and what are the actual output? What is actually telling you, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's where the value gain of having someone who's dedicated in the space you're in, be it e-commerce, be it tech, be it SaaS, to really go in and tell you, hey, you have software, you have all the data that you're feeding into a QuickBooks Online or Zero, right? Now, what is it telling you? Is it telling you that your margins are doing okay? Is it telling you that your trendings are going the right direction? Are you really using it to do more big data analysis of how your products are looking at? What are the winners of your business? What are the losers? Are there things dragging down your your margin and that's why it doesn't look too happy or too up? Mm -hmm. And how can you just focus on the winners and grow those? What is your cost of goods sold trending looking like? Are you getting charged by a supplier and getting nickel and dime by them, by fees, by transaction fees? That's actually eating alive the money that should be going back to your own pocket. And at the end of the day, what is your burn rate? What is your cash flow? How can you take money out of your business safely while keeping your money running and humming along, right? Isn't that one of the biggest worries? Like, oh man, should I leave all my money in my business? What if something catastrophic happened, right? Right. But then if you always worry about that, how can you enjoy the fruits of your success? Right. And I think having someone who does clean booking for you give you that grand view of, okay, I just need 20000 a month and my business is humming. No, go buy that Ferrari I see on Instagram. Yeah. Or B, reinvest into the business or into another business so I can expand and diversify. Or C, look for other investment vehicles, right? Whether it's real estate, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrency, very popular choice these days. Yeah. And you can't make these decisions while knowing that your business is going to be okay. And that's really the power of bookkeeping. It may be a boring word. I'm sure when you bring up the word bookkeeping to most people, they're like, bookkeeping, I don't need that. But then if you, if you really educate yourself and realize why it's so powerful, then you're like, oh, okay, maybe account advice would be nice to hear once in a while. Maybe not all the time, but maybe once a month. And what is the frequency that you recommend people keep up with their books? Yeah, it's a great question, Sean. So it really depends on the size and complexity of your business. If you're at a point, I would say in mid six figures or above, monthly would be our most recommended view, right? So a lot of our clients, we help them what we call close the books, right? Which is make sure that their last month's expense, revenue, everything is cleaned up for the month of. And we do that usually the first week of the next month. 
And then we provide them with the necessary financial reports and recommendations. We really just get on a call and, and let them know what we think about how their business is trending, how it's forecasting, their cash on hand, and things like that, right? But if you are a smaller business, I think quarterly would be great. I know some business don't even look until like a year later, <laughs> which, yeah. which I don't recommend, but at least you have something because I have encountered been on calls where like, yeah, we just see what's on my Shopify dashboard. Looks like there's money in my bank. I'm good to go. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I don't recommend this wow. approach, but uh, I hope you can last long. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I would say monthly, if you're in the mid six figure range or quarterly, if you're under that part, that point. Okay. That makes sense. Moving on to the second advice and pitfall you mentioned is around compliance. What compliance and accounting problems do you run into as a 100K per year e-commerce versus a 1 million revenue per year or 10 million per year revenue business? What are the differences? I'm glad you brought that up, Sean. So what we're seeing as the trend in those three points of revenue is the more you grow, the more you're going to get, I would say, government intervention, right? You're going to start getting letters, IRS, different states going after you. And the reason is this naggy thing called sales tax, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're running e-commerce, sales tax can be one of the most prevalent things in the U.S. And if you're expanding to Europe, you'll be maybe facing VAT, right? Value-added tax over there. But I'll just focus on the U.S. piece. So on, with sales tax, almost every state have it. I think there's only five states that don't have a sales tax rule in place. And with those 44, 45 states that have sales tax, it's literally a different rate, right? There's no federal regulation of sales tax. The state decides the rate. And beyond that, the local jurisdictions, right? The county, the city, they all have their own rate. So you got to take those and combine it with the state rate to get what the true amount you're paying. So really what we help clients understand is there's certain threshold rules for all of these states. And it's really important to learn about them as your company start growing past the 10 million mark, which gets to 100 million mark, is all these guys going to start coming after you for the sales tax piece. Right. And it can get pretty messy given how many states you're going to have to file in and remit taxes in. And one of the, I guess, key solutions we try to really look at for businesses that are in that one those range is we start looking doing what we call customer concentration reports for them on a monthly basis. And what customer concentration report in itself, a simple report, is basically an aggregate download of all your Shopify customers, where they're located, exactly what zip code they're in, what city they're in, what county they're in. And we break that out into allocation to say the point of how much sales you have for this certain region in the state and they have in place. And there's different ones. Some says, as soon as you cross the threshold, let's just call it 100,000, which is a very common mark, you have to start paying immediately the next month. Yeah. Some states are more friendly. They say you, you cross that, okay, then you don't have to file till year end. Yeah. And those little nuances are very important because that's how you can tell when you have the obligation to pay, when you are obligated, right? So let me give you an example of a client, we'll name names, but a client A, I had to go through this and they're like, I'm not sure what states I had to pay sell tax with. Can you run this report for me? We did. And we noticed there was five states when around November timeline that they were about to be at the 100K mark, right? About to be at mm-hmm. threshold. They're around like 90 to 95K in sales. So we went back to the client and says, we calculated your total obligation, right? These five states say it's around like 7%, right? So you will have to pay around 7000 I just call it like $42,000 tax bill to these five states if you cross that threshold mark. Now, is it worth that tax bill to keep doing your paid ads to those five states? Or do you want to reallocate and exclude those five states from your ads and sell to other states? Those states you may already have sales tax obligation or they're nowhere close. But then that's the analysis we got to do. It's like, how much sale would you lose by not doing these five states? And how much 
tax savings will you gain? And we look at which one's better, right? Where are you actually coming out on top? And then we let the client make the decision. After all, it's their business. We just want to give them the best recommendation possible. They look at it and they're like, heck no, I'm not paying a $42,000 tax bill. I'm definitely excluding these five states. And that's kind of the hidden savings that say you just use a, a tax jar, right? That's very popular sales tax software where Avalara, right? They're not going to tell you that. They're just going to be, okay, this is what you got to pay. Right. But then having a human advisor to say, you're close, but you don't have to go there. <laughs> we're not software. We're talking to you in real life. We're, we're slacking you about this. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to revert your ad strategy to not hit those points? Are those thresholds on a quarterly basis or annual basis? Sales tax at a certain point in your sales is definitely on a quarterly basis that you're looking at. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So resets every quarter. It resets every quarter, but the threshold is usually on an annual basis. So you hit the 100,000 threshold on an annual basis. I see, I see. Yeah, so you won't have to be obligated to pay any quarters until you hit that threshold. Right, that's why you're giving that example of November that would make sense. Right. Because obviously it was halfway through the year, you'd want to keep selling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're in June and someone's telling you, do you want to lose six months of sales? They're like, man, this guy's crazy. <laughs> Got to stop telling this guy. Got it, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I remember back in the day with e-commerce having been in it is that the rules are always changing, especially back in the day. It was if you don't have a physical presence in that state, you didn't have to pay that state sales tax. I know the rules and laws have changed over the years. Is that still true? That's a great point that you brought up, Sean. So in this new environment we're in, especially you have that court case, self-decoder versus Wayfair, that mm-hmm. landscape has completely changed. Now it's not about physical nexus. It's about economic nexus too. Economic nexus is basically having a concentration of sales in a certain state that's greater than the set threshold. So a very common number right now is 100,000 or 200 transactions. But every state can set different ones. Like in California, the threshold is pretty high. It's like 250. Wow. Okay. So then California, you won't have to worry about 250. New York, I think, has a higher threshold points too. But given the new environment, this is also something that even international e-com owners have to look out for, right? So they have a higher concentration of sales in certain states. Yes, it's going to be a little bit harder to for the states to go after an international guy, but they'll try. These states will try because they want their tax money. Yeah. So that's something that these international guys who do want to expand to the U.S. do want to look at also because given the economic nexus rule, it's really about your concentration of sales, right? Usually they didn't have to worry about because they would never step foot in the U.S. They're just located in Ireland or in Australia. But now with this new environment, everyone kind of kind of watch out for the whole sales tax thing. I do have to wonder, I mean, back in the day, it was very easy to fly under the radar because states were not up to speed. Especially back then, we were running independent e-commerce stores, like on BigCommerce or on Magento or on WooCommerce, right? But now with much bigger presences like Shopify, I imagine it's harder to fly under the radar because the Shopify report to the states. I guess, how would the states know that you've done over 100K there? Yeah, that's exactly it, Sean. So all these marketplaces now, like Shopify, eBay, Walmart, Amazon, they all basically on your behalf, let the state know how much sales you have. Got it. Okay. So they already submitted the answer to the test. And if you're not going to be the one here taking the test, they're going to be like, well, I know you didn't do it. I know you have sales here. We've already seen the answers right. through your test. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword if you don't do it now. It's really hard these days to like you said, fly under the radar because there's a lot more tighter regulations reporting. I do want to mention one point though. If you do sell on an Amazon or eBay, there's what they call marketplace facilitator laws in place now where they're forcing the Amazon and Ebays of the world to basically remit on your behalf at times. I see. Because they know there's still a lot of 
owners who are like just gonna try to hide and not report, right? So those places you can't escape from. Shopify is the obviously only exception right now, given that Shopify is still saying we're not an Amazon type place. We're just like a host. We're not taking responsibility for it. So it's still the owner's responsibility to set up the right tax rates inside Shopify and go do the process of filing and remitting yourself. But even with the marketplace facilitator laws in place, you still have to file a registration in certain states because they still say it is your responsibility to do that as the owner of your business. Got it. Okay. On to the third point that you mentioned, which I find most interesting because I personally know a lot of friends in the finance industry that have been moving into e-commerce and how they do so is raising money and consolidating e-commerce shops, right? For economies of scale and efficiency reasons. And because the whole idea is if you can consolidate a bunch of shops, you can run them more efficiently like a private equity and just squeeze more profit out of them. And so the third point that you brought up is actually really relevant in preparing your e-commerce or your business potentially for sale. I've been in those shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish I had met you five years ago when I was selling one of my e-commerce businesses. Can you tell us more about just how having clean books potentially helps you sell or get a higher valuation like you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up and the whole changing of the environment right now of these aggregate, I was calling VCs, right? That's buying up a lot of these shops, especially the Amazon FBA ones, I have noticed. And I think that is the trending and that's why this topic is so important now. I think in the back in the wild, wild west days, you start up a store and there's not a lot of, I would say, ways where you can exit properly. Yeah, it's a lot harder to find, right? But these days, I, I think I attended Ecom World a couple months ago. There's a lot of people who are outreaching to these store owners and say, hey, can we look at your business? Can we get a valuation done for you? And can we see if you're willing to sell for XX price? Mm-hmm. And what we notice is these owners would are very excited, obviously. Oh, someone to buy my store? Someone give me money to give me financial freedom and independence? I definitely want to jump on that. But I do want to caution here, right? Is that before you jump into a, I would say, a pirate ship where you just let them run their valuation and tell you what your company is worth, make sure you also hire a third-party person who's you pay for, right, on your side right. to tell you, hey, this is what I think your company's worth and value at. And what's going to be important in this thing is, of course, the first thing they're going to ask for is your financials. They're going to ask you for your balance sheet, your income statement, your statement of cash flow, and they're going to say, let me look at it. Let me look at your how many years you've been in business. And let me see, look at your trendings. Let me look at your profit margins, your gross margins, all those numbers in between, right? right? And part of it is why you want someone else besides just the firm that's trying to buy your business to look at it is you want to make sure that they're looking at the same numbers you are. They want to make sure that they're actually understanding what your bookkeeping is. And having someone in your back pocket to do that for you would, I would say, up your valuation significantly given that you can make the necessary adjustments or changes in your business before you hand your books off to someone else to do that. Especially if you do have a number in mind, right? Say your goals have always been to sell at 5x EBITDA, 5x revenue, something like that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get there? Or are you going to be disappointed when they only come back with 2x? And why are you not at 5x? What are you doing differently than other businesses who are exiting at that, those numbers? Is it a margin issue? Is it a cash flow issue? Is it they don't see the market trending for your business is going in the right direction? There's a lot of factors in that. And having someone who's third party can figure those out for you will let you say, hey, maybe this is not the best point to sell. Give me another six months to fix up my business, maybe go in a new direction, maybe give it a couple of the losers in my business, focus on the winners and see if I can get to a, a higher number, right? Say you're at like the 20 million mark. 
what if you hit 30 million? Does that change the landscape of how much I can sell my business for? Yeah. So those are the key things that we see and try to help businesses with to realize that you work so hard for this. I know how frustrating it is to like, get banned on Facebook ads every other week. You want to get the amount that's going to really satisfy you and really take care of your family and in the long run. That's great. Okay. You know, this has been a really amazing conversation, Alan. I really appreciate your time. For any listeners that want to reach out to Alan, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, definitely, Sean. If they are interested in getting a look into their books, getting more of an audit of their how their tax planning is going right now, I would definitely recommend they reach out. We provide what we call a free consultation to really go through their current books, their tax returns, and really just provide them a diagnostic right, of how they're doing. It really just gives them that reassurance of, are they on the right track? If they are, yeah. kudos to you. If not, maybe we can help. Feel free to look at our website, freecashflow.io. And we're also on Instagram by the same handle and over at Facebook. And then they really just want to book a call. If you don't mind, Sean, just leaving a link in the description. It's freecashflow.io slash book. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Alan. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. It was a pleasure. Take care. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.